Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. chapter this morning, John chapter 12 this morning. We finished up John chapter 11 finally last couple of weeks ago. This week we're going to start a new chapter, John chapter 12. We're starting the last six days of Jesus's life. Chapter 11 really marks the end of Jesus' ministry. All the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, everything that he does ends in chapter 11. When he gets to chapter 12, he's got six days to teach his disciples. He's on that last week. Best as I can tell, it's the Sabbath. It's Saturday. And the next day after this one will be Sunday, which we now celebrate as our day of worship and what we call Palm Sunday, and we'll uh, see a little bit of that today, but he's got six days to teach his disciples. He's got six days to show them all kinds of things, and there's six days before they put him on a cross, put him to death because Jesus is God, and they don't like that. This is an amazing chapter. We, We won't get to all of it today. But this is kind of the culmination of people dividing up on the side of Jesus. Remember, Jesus came and he said, I didn't, he said, I came to bring division in a way. He he came to bring peace, but he also came and he divides because, you know, everywhere Jesus is at, Jesus divides because some people believe who Jesus is and some people don't. And some people believe in the real Jesus and some people don't. If you remember all the way back in chapter 6 when he fed them, he fed anywhere between five, he fed 5,000 men and there was probably women and children so he may have fed fifteen or 20,000 people and he fed them with two fish and five loaves and guess what? The next day they're looking for him again And he says, you're not seeking me for the right reason. You're looking for me because I fed you yesterday. You're not following me because you want me as your Lord and as your Savior. One of the themes that's been going on in the book of John is remember John has used seven miracles. Jesus has walked on the water. He's stilled the storm. He's turned the water into wine. He's healed a paralytic uh, man who was sick 38 years. He's uh, healed a young boy who was dying. And then he ends it all up by bringing Lazarus. Of course, he fed the 5,000. And then he ends it all up in chapter 11 by bringing Lazarus back from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Yeah, there's no other way to live but by living for Jesus. If you really want true life, you live for Jesus. Jesus says if you live for Him and trust Him, we'll be when we pass out of this world, we'll, it'll just be like hitting, being hit by the shadow of a truck. We just pass out of this life and pass directly into the presence of Jesus if we know Him as our Lord and Savior. But not everybody trusts in Jesus. Not everybody wants the Jesus of the Bible. They want to feed me Jesus, or fix me Jesus, or heal me Jesus. But they don't want a Jesus that says you got to clean up your life. They don't want a Jesus that says I am God. They don't want a Jesus that is not going to be a political and king ruler with all worldly power. They, I mean, a heavenly power. They want a Jesus that's going to rule and reign here on earth and have money and power and prestige. And then the other side of it is the Pharisees afraid they're going to lose their position. So let's read the first nine or ten verses of John chapter 12. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead. Now it says that about three times in here. It talks about Lazarus who had been dead, whom he'd raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his, hair, wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always, but me you do not always have. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not only for Jesus' sake, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests put, plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. If you remember at the end of the last chapter, what happened? They put out an arrest warrant for Jesus and uh, say, if anybody sees him, and everybody's saying, was well, Jesus going to show up? And so here we see in this section of Scripture, we're going to kind of see the culmination of love and hate. Because it's amazing to me how this man Judas could stay with Jesus. Do you realize that it says in Matthew chapter 10 that Judas was given the power just like the rest of the disciples, the apostles, to do miracles. He could do signs, wonders, and miracles. The signs of the apostles were healing and they could bring people back from the dead and they could cast out demons. Those were the signs of an apostle. And Judas had those powers. But the, the fact is, is so many people, they did not understand their Old Testament and they were looking for a Jesus who was going to be a political Jesus. Remember they were under the, the authority of Rome and Rome was oppressing everybody. What they wanted was a political Jesus who was going to come and stage a coup and kick the Romans out 
And then they would be back in control of their own country, back in control of their own things. That's what they thought it meant when the Messiah was coming. Because they misunderstood that the first time Jesus comes, He comes to die on the cross. The next time Jesus comes, He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. And He has all power and all might. But the first time Jesus comes, He comes to die on the cross. And they didn't understand that. Because sometimes in the Old Testament, it was saying the same verse that He would be a servant. But it also would say that He would be a king. And they knew he was king. They tried to make him king one time, if you remember. Jesus disappeared. And they're going to, in this chapter, they're also going to do the same thing. And they're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. And they're thinking he's a political Messiah, going to be the king and rule and reign over them. But Jesus didn't come to do that. And so it says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, John tells us these date details. I don't know exactly why six days. Six days, the Bible says God created the, the uh, world in six days, and on the seventh He rested. And I think God did His best work in six days. And in these six days, man's going to do His worst. God's going to do His best again. Jesus is going to hang on the cross to die for our sins. But man is going to do his worst and he's going to kill the Savior of the world. And so there's six days before the Passover because if you remember, Jesus is going to die at the same time that those Passover lambs are being killed. He's going to die on that cross at the same time to fulfill the Old Testament promises that John said in John 1.29. If you remember back that far where John says... Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the one that dies in our place. He's the one that dies for our sins. He's the one that takes our place. Jesus comes back to Bethany, the place where He had healed Lazarus. Not healed Him. I guess He healed Him. He brought Him back from the dead. And then He makes a point that He says, where Lazarus, who had been dead whom he raised from the dead. Now, by the time we get through with this chapter, he's going to say that three times, that Lazarus was dead and he raised him from the dead. He wants us to understand that Lazarus was dead and he's been raised from the dead by Jesus. And then it says in verse 2, There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So he comes to Bethany, and of course they want to honor and you know take care of Jesus. He's just healed. I keep saying healed. Raised their brother from the dead, and they they are eating. And if you if you read the rest of the accounts, if you go to Matthew twenty six, uh, Mark fourteen, and Luke nineteen, you can see other details. You'll see that this supper was at the house of Simon the leper. I guess he's still called the Simon the leper, but he's no longer a leper anymore because he's been healed by Jesus at this point or else he couldn't be eating supper with him. He'd have to be in his own little area. But a lot of people believe that Simon the leper was actually the father of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They're not sure, but they believe that he may be the father. They're at Simon the leper's house. They're serving Jesus 
They're fixing the supper. They're honoring him. And it says, and Martha served. Martha's serving again. You know, Martha, she's the consummate server. She loves Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus. And she's always serving. We always remember for the fact that she says, you know, tell my sister to get up and help me. And, and he says to her, Martha, Martha, you know, it's great to serve, basically, but, but your sister has chosen the better part, to sit at my feet and hear from me. And, you know, we always see Martha serving, and we always see Mary at the feet of Jesus. And we'll see her at his feet again in just a few minutes. They made him a supper, and Martha served. Like I said, Martha serves because she loves to serve. She has the gift of serving. And, you know, there's a spiritual gift to serving, and she wants to serve Jesus. Not because she just wants to do something, but because she loves him, and she cares for him, and she wants to please him. You know, when you serve people, that proves that you love them and care for them, right? And that shows, a lot of times I know women, they, they like to serve because... They're always going and serving and doing things. And that's how they show their love for other people. Because they're serving other people. Doing things for them. And so that's what she's doing. But it says, But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Lazarus is sitting at the table with him. And I have to wonder about that. Because he is one of those... Remember we said in chapter 11 that Lazarus is a picture of all of us who are dead in our trespasses and sins. He was dead. A dead man can't do anything to help himself, can he? I'm not saying we do it, but this is an example everybody always gives. You can, you can kick a dead man and he can't do anything about it. You can ask a dead man to get up, he can't get up. But that's the way the Bible says we are. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. In other words, until we know Christ, there's nothing we can do to change the way we are. That's why when you look around this world, and what are people naturally doing? Evil, right? I mean, if you look at most of the world, and it gets worse and worse every day, you look around the world, what are people naturally doing? They're doing evil. You try to talk to them about it, and what do they do? They get mad with you, right? They, they don't want you to tell them what to do. They tell you don't judge them, or they know just enough the Bible say don't judge me, and all these other things. But you know what? That's all they know how to do because they don't know Christ in their heart. Many people, you know, there's different degrees. I mean, there's some people that aren't saved that are more moral seem to be than other people but then they have a big pride in their lives and they think they're proud and the Bible says God hates pride and some people have never done a lot of things that other people have done but they're still dead in their trespasses and their sins and they can't help being what they are and you might look deep down in their heart like these Pharisees man they were moral upright people looking at them but inside they were evil because they were stealing from widows. They were stealing from people. They wouldn't give money to their parents to help them when they were needy. They wanted the pride. They wanted the prestige. They wanted the honor. And so they were evil. And so the Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. 
And so Lazarus is a picture of that. He was dead in the grave, couldn't do nothing about it. Jesus raised him from the dead, propelled him out of the grave because he was wrapped up from head to foot. He couldn't walk out of that grave. He couldn't walk out of that cave. And somehow Jesus propelled him out of that cave and then he tell him to loose him and unwrap him because he had been dead. And so that's us. We can't help ourselves. We can't do anything. And, you know, one of the things that happens, and the reason I think it says, but Lazarus sat at the table with him, I say all that to say this, because it talks about in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, don't turn there, but it says, Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, These are the true sayings of God. Did you know that one day we will be sitting, for those of us who know Christ, and I hope that's everybody here, I believe most of us do, I hope all of us do, but if we know Christ, one day when we get to heaven, we'll be sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the time the Bible calls the church, those who are saved, calls us the bride of Christ, and the groom, Jesus, is coming back to get us. And when He comes and gets us and takes us to heaven, our bodies, our souls will already be there, but when He comes and takes our bodies up with us, we will have this great supper in heaven and we will sit at the table with Jesus and we'll be honored to sit at this table with Jesus. And, and He's going to actually serve us at that table. And it's amazing. And I think that's why it was shown that Lazarus was dead, but now guess what? He's in a place of honor sitting with Jesus at the table. Sitting with Jesus. He's being honored too. And then it says here, Then Mary, verse 3, took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. And from what I understand, according to weight, it was actually 12 ounces or so of spikenard. Now, this was very costly stuff. It was stuff that had been brought from the Himalayas. It had been brought down. They had to take it from this little old plant. They had to squeeze it. They had to crush it. And then they had to trek it down to Himalayas. And then they had to put it in a bottle and, and trek it over there. And it was like very, very expensive perfume. Basically, it was like something a lot of ladies would have it as a dowry. Or they may even use it as some kind of bank account. And they would sell a few drops of it to have some money. Here and there, it was sort of like keeping money in the bank because it was so expensive. I don't know if you ever seen any of that really expensive perfume on TV or whatever, and they kind of spray it with an atomizer. They actually vaporize it because it's like about a thousand bucks an ounce or something, and that's about what this stuff was. It said it was actually, if you put it in our terms today, it would probably have been worth about twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars for this little this bottle of of spikenard she had. That's a lot of money just to pour on somebody and give away, right? But guess what? Jesus is worth it, right? What she does is she takes this bottle and it would have been in a bottle and it had a little thin neck so you could only drop a little drop at a time off. But it says she takes a a bottle and, and the anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now if you read the other accounts, it says she broke the Bible open and she poured it on his head 
And maybe it ran from his head all the way down to his feet. We don't know. But she apparently, according to John, it says she anointed his feet with it also. What is she doing? She's, I'm getting ahead of myself, but what she's doing is she's anointing him pre-burial. Because what they did was they put all these spices, all these things. But what was Mary doing? She was bowing at the feet of Jesus again. Martha was serving and Mary was worshiping. She was at the feet of Jesus. She was down on the ground. She was worshiping. And she took this very costly oil. She took this spikenard that was very expensive. You know, it's like, you ever have something so expensive that you hate to use it? But because you know it costs so much, but when you use it, it's like okay, you know. And so a lot of times you you got something that's very expensive, but you but it sits there all the time, so it doesn't do you any good, right? But she takes this, and because of her extravagance, her love for Jesus, she loves Jesus so much that guess what she does? She just breaks the bottle open, just breaks the top off of it. And just pours it on Jesus because she loves him so much. That's what she does. She, first of all, shows her extravagance, how much she loves Jesus. What she did was she was showing how much she loved him. And remember that old word, remember the old old King James Version? It used to say, uh, Charity covers a multitude of sins. Anybody remember that? Well, guess what? That old word charity was the word love, right? Well, you know, today we call nonprofits and people that help other people and take care of people, we call them what? Charities, right? And what they're doing is showing love to other people. And so that word charity or love, it came to mean that you give something valuable to someone who's worthy of it, or maybe not worthy of it. But here Jesus is very, very worthy of it. And so they take that ointment that's in the Himalayas in China and Tibet, they bring it down on the back of the camels, all the way down the Himalayan mountains, all the way to Israel, and then they put it together in ointment, and they put it in a box or a jar, and that's a lot of expense. twenty or $25,000 in our terms today. And she pours it on Jesus. And then it says, then she anointed the feet of Jesus and then she wiped wiped his feet with her hair. Now, guess what? I know the glory, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.15, but if a woman has long hair, it is glory for her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. And the Bible says that the woman's hair is glory. And I know women are more, they're better with men about their hair. and They spend a lot of time on it. They take good care of it. Because guess what? That's what God has given them is part of their beauty, is part of their glory. And in this day, in this time, and I probably none of y'all today would be willing to get down at somebody's feet and take the worst part of somebody's body and take your hair and just start wiping their feet. Probably a lot of us wouldn't want to use our hands or even with a rag or anything else. But she gets down on her knees and she wipes his feet with her hair. She lets it down. 
Now, no Jewish woman would ever let her hair down in the presence of other men. That was for her husband and her husband only. But she lets her hair down and shows her humility. And she wipes His feet with her glory. And she's doing this because she loves Him. She's worshiping Him. She is serving Him in her own way. There's a verse, and I know y'all probably know this one from the Old Testament. You remember when David messed up and he was the curse got brought on the land and all the people were dying and he went to Aruna and said, you know, I want to buy your your house, your your area here, and I want to use it to put an altar up to worship God and to stop this plague. And it says in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four, then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, because Aruna wanted to give it to him. He said, Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David said he wouldn't serve the Lord with something that didn't cost him anything. And this was costing her everything. This was her dowry. This was all she had. This was her best and her most and her greatest gift she could give Jesus. And so she took the very greatest thing she could give to Jesus and said, Jesus, it's all yours. I want to give you my best. I want to give you the only thing I have worth anything given to you. And that's kind of where I want to stop today because it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I've heard the story many times about the man that uh, walked in this garden and he had a big rose garden and, and he, he showed up at church that night and everybody says, well, well, were the roses beautiful? And he's like, how do you know? He said, well, the fragrance is following you. The fragrance is on you. And so the fragrance of what she did just filled the room. Imagine these men, they're sitting at the table. The women aren't sitting at the table, but the men are sitting at the table and they're reclining and their feet are out there. And then she just drops on the floor and and just busts this bottle open and just pours this stuff on Jesus' head and pours it on His feet and just just pouring out her love, pouring out her her humility, just pouring out saying, Jesus, this is all I got. But what I got, I want to give you. You know, and that's what Jesus wants from us. Do you know that? He wants our best and He wants our everything. The Bible says... If a man wants to keep his life, he'll lose it. He says if a man wants to gain the whole world, he'll do what? Lose his soul. He says if you want to be humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and at the proper time, I'll exalt you. He says whoever gives up houses or land or whatever, family, you give up for me, you'll get a hundredfold in the kingdom. And so it's amazing to me the way up is the way down. And Mary understood that. She understood that she needed to give Jesus everything because Jesus was worthy of all she had. He was worthy of everything. He was worthy of all worship, all glory, all power because He is God and He is the only way to get to heaven. She's also a picture 
of that Christian that gives everybody, gives God everything they have. And they worship Him. But you know what? One day, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And we either confess Him now as Lord and Savior and trust in Him and Him alone, or else one day we'll, we'll bow at His knees and we'll have to bow. He'll just be Lord at that time. And so I hope and pray, like I said, that everybody today knows that there's only one person who can save you, who can forgive you, and that's Jesus. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. But when He was on that cross, He said, It is finished. Remember, He said, It is finished. And that was an accounting term that means your debt had been paid in full. It was also something, you know, when the criminals did something wrong, they, and they would put up on their, on their uh, instead of computers, they, they would put a plaque up on their wall or a piece of parchment and say, so-and-so committed this crime. But then when they had finished their sentence, they would nail it up on a doorpost in the city streets and it would say, to Telestai, it is finished. It is complete. His debt has been paid in full. He doesn't owe society anything else. And that's what Jesus said. When you trust in me and me alone, then you make it to heaven. You can't add baptism, communion, church membership, anything. But Jesus paid it all. Why don't we finish with that song today? Let's pray and see if I can find that song, Jesus paid it all. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are. We ask today that you would just help us to know who you are and worship you and give you our best because you are worthy of all honor and glory and praise. Lord, that we would be like Mary and we would just get down on our knees and worship you and and be like Martha and we would serve you and we would just give you the best we have and be willing to give up anything that we have for you because you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Most High God, the Great I Am, the First and the Last, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning and the End. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. So, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry 
to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.